He's going to bite his servant if he does not remove that pen tray. Welcome back to the Shake Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Van Shake, and of course, we don't have a co-host. Okay, so I just got back from the DMV, the best place in the world. Anybody who like has this you know, grandiose idea of thinking that the government should just run everything in the economy, if you actually think that, then I would say just spend one afternoon at the DMV, and then you will change your mind completely. Because essentially, the government running anything is basically going to run like the DMV. There's just no competition to make them you know, more efficient, better, better serving. No, they don't care. <laughs> what do they care? <laughs> They're the slowest moving people in the world. But anyway, sadly, 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 as you all know, the Queen of England is dead. She died. She died. And they don't even tell you what she died of. I mean, I guess she just died of old age. I don't know. Just eventually things stopped working. Yeah, but kind of weird. They didn't say at all what she died of. I didn't hear any of that. Did you? No, they didn't say. Kind of important, a little important detail they forgot to mention. The whole monarch in England is quite controversial. And, you know, it's a big controversy in whether they should have them, they shouldn't, you know, whether it actually represents, especially with history, over the course of history, kind of the atrocities that they've created. Um, basically, all the wars and all the stealing of country's resources, such as with colonialism, and that's specifically more recently, you know, not just colonialism that the Americans remember colonialism, but um, where America was a colony of Great Britain, but more so in the early to mid 20th century when the English government basically owned uh, and they, they said they owned, and so they just taxed all of these countries, basically in Africa and you know, throughout the world, and just tax the crap out of them. <laughs> and um, yeah, they were just like, hey, you know, we are stronger. We have a bigger military than you do. We're going to go into all of these countries and colonize them. You're ours now. I mean, basically, that's what happened. But the British government, specifically the monarch, was largely responsible for that. And, you know, you think about you know, the British royal family. How did they become so wealthy? I mean, let's be real. How did they become so wealthy? You know, and it was really to do things that weren't very up and up. It was basically stealing from other countries, colonies, creating colonies that didn't want to be colonies of Great Britain and just tax the crap out of them. And then also, um, you know, of course, wars. Wars, they stole it. You know, so none of their actual earnings is, I think, very reputable at all. I mean, it wasn't like they were providing much of a good or service. And you can't even make the argument that, like, well, they're running government, so they're they're wealthy from running government. Here's the thing about running government and getting wealthy from running government. That is almost always done nefariously. You're not supposed to make a lot of money running government. The only way there is money in running government is if you take a big chunk out of the economy. Look at Putin, right? How did he become so wealthy? He's like the most wealthy person in the entire world. Like, really? People don't really know how wealthy he is, but people actually think, you know, he's secretly the wealthiest person in the world. But how did he become so wealthy, right? How did he become so wealthy? If we're talking about wealth creation in the history of the world, 
capitalism doesn't really do that much. It actually does a lot for a lot of people to become very wealthy. But if you're really thinking about just becoming the most wealthy person in the world, it's really to take a chunk of the economy of a major country. That's how you become really wealthy. Instead of all that money going to all of the you know infrastructure in the country, the people, social programs, the military. Someone like Putin gets elected. We're doing air quotes here if you, in case you're listening in and not watching. And he just takes a chunk of the taxable income that comes into the country. You could also do it with kickbacks too. There's also many other ways of you know getting really, really wealthy. Um, and just totally abusing your power. The point is, is that you're not supposed to be getting extraordinarily wealthy being a leader of a country. It's almost always done nefariously if you were to do that. I think the queen did pretty much the best that she could given the situation that she was in and the fact that, you know, maybe she didn't want to lose all of her money and give it all back to reparations like she probably should. <laughs> I think if you believe in reparations at all, the first place you need to look is the British royal family and other royalty throughout the world. I mean, really, which is why a lot of the British royal family do a lot of charity work now. And it's not just air quote charity work. They actually do charity work. However, there's something behind the charity work. There's a reason why they're doing it. Of course, it's so that they can continue the charade that they are, you know, worthwhile to be paid attention to and to be the monarch and to be the head of state. And so they are not constantly questioned and pressured to give back all their money. <laughs> Let's be real. But the queen's personality, I always thought was very interesting. She was very, very stoic. And I feel like that was a very generational thing. You know, now, you know, you look at William and even Charles, they're just very... I don't know, just very soft. They don't come across as very stoic. And I think it was almost like that World War II, you know, type mentality of trying to always convey strength and not ever show kind of weakness of any sort. There was a clip of Charles, now King Charles, you know, it was her son. He was giving a speech and he was like, the queen, mummy, and then the queen, instead of just like smiling, yeah, I'm his mummy, okay. No, no, she like rolls her eyes at him. <laughs> she was just rolled her eyes. Your majesty, mummy. Don't call me mummy, I'm the queen here in public. You do not call me mummy in public. <laughs> you know, but again, that's like a generational thing, you know, of being so stoic and kind of being that hard-ass, strong uh, perception of, of, of a leader that I think is very, very generational. Um, and maybe it'll come back if we have another world war, but uh, I think it's sort of that World War II generation are much more stoic. We also have a few other clips that I want to share with you with everything going on here. So in the procession, you have the British royal family, I think King Charles and uh, the former Prince Andrew walking behind the casket of their mother okay um and someone in the crowd says something <laughs> so let's watch this so if you're listening in there's the crowd lining both sides of the street and then there's this kid in the crowd <laughs> who's heckling andrew formerly prince andrew and uh let's let's watch 
You're a sick old man. <laughs> and then continues to heckle him. Apparently, we can't hear what else he's saying, but he's probably yelling some profanity at him. Someone yanks this kid back. <laughs> Uh, I think it's someone in the crowd. I don't even think it was a police officer. And you see over here, the behind uh, the kid that was yelling those profanities in his very, very British accent. <laughs> and he gets yanked to the ground here. And you have a few other people that just push the kid. And he yells again, it's disgusting! Oi, I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> and then, and then he, he raises his hands as the police officer is trying to push him out. He's in his British accent, oh, I did nothing wrong. Finally, someone say what we were all thinking. <laughs> Anytime we see Prince Andrew, I guess formerly Prince, I don't think he's actually a prince anymore. I think his title was taken away. Yes, formerly Prince Andrew. He is a sick old man. <laughs> I do agree with that. Um, I don't know. I don't know why people are pushing him and stuff. And yeah, he probably shouldn't have said it then, but he did say everything we were thinking his entire time, you know, because we would see him, you know, occasionally with everybody and just be like, oh, guy and the thing too with prince andrew we did a whole body language read on my main channel about prince andrew so if you didn't see it you may want to check it out but you know i think just the lying of you know and thinking that he could actually get away with it just made it so much worse so much more unbearable it's like dude if you did it just admit it and you know accept the consequences and try to make it better. Don't just blatantly lie to the world's face to think that he can actually get away with it. He's a sick old man. <laughs> I do agree. I do agree. He is a sick old man. We also have this instant where King Charles is signing some documents. is apparently using like a fountain pen. Is it a fountain pen? I don't know, whatever. A pen you dip into a, a, an oil well, whatever that thing's called. So he's signing documents here and uh, apparently one of the pen trays gets in the way and he growls at his servant to remove the pen tray from the desk by showing his bottom teeth and kind of jerking the pen tray. She kind of go, er, er, er. <laughs> I think it kind of says a little bit like how he's quite particular and, you know, showing bottom teeth is a very typical sign of anger. You ever see an ape or a chimp get angry? What do they do? Yeah, they show their bottom teeth to indicate that they are angry and that they are basically saying, hey, look at my teeth. I'm going to bite you, <laughs> that he's going to bite his servant if he does not remove that pen tray. <laughs> Okay, of course, he's not actually going to bite them, but that's where it comes from, of course, is the, uh, the the threat of biting. Hey, look at my teeth. I'm angry. I can bite you. And yeah, he, he's quite angry. I think it could say something about his personality, um, but we'll have to see. You know, we'll have to see if this persists, whether he's actually like that very often, whether he has like a short fuse temper. 
and what he's actually like. Um, and we'll find out. Or maybe he's just kind of a little frustrated because he is dealing with a lot, a lot of pressure, a lot of things to do, a lot of mourning because his mother just died. Um, and he's just going through a lot personally. So it could be some of that, but we'll just have to see, you know, if he's actually like that quite often. But something that's quite interesting, and it's just, I don't know what to say about it. It's just kind of annoying, I think, is just how much they just hark back to basically like two or three centuries ago. It's like, at what point are you going to take a step into the future, you know? At what point? They're driving around in like these old Rolls Royces, or at least they cart him around in an old Rolls Royce that doesn't seem to be armored, which is quite dangerous for him. The doors are quite thin. You can see the doors. They were not very thick. You look at the U.S. president's uh, motorcade beast, it's called. The doors are like like a bank vault. King Charles's Rolls Royce from 1940, it looks like, right? Like the doors are just regular doors. And yeah, it's a Rolls Royce, so the metal's probably pretty thick. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not really that bulletproof or, you know, airtight where it, he can be protected in case of some chemical or biological attack. So it's just kind of dangerous. And I'm looking at all these ceremonies you know, of like people blowing bugles and guys with really funny fuzzy hats and red coats as if they're from like 1780. It just makes me wonder why they chose that date. Why not 1600? Why not 1500? Why are they going back to this date? I just feel like a lot of this is pretty pointless. I understand taking an oath. I understand just, okay, signing his name to something. Hey, I am now king. I understand to have a funeral. But some of this is, I just think it's just for show. And it's just to make it all seem more official that the king actually does something more than just be a figurehead. And I understand that the king has more power than he exercises. However, if you would ever exercise any of that power, he would be immediately thrown out uh, by the government because it's just kind of ruthless for one person to have that much power. What is the subliminal messaging behind this pomp and circumstance here? And what it is, is actually to make it all seem very official and very important. That's essentially what it is. You know, make the king seem very official and very important that this actually matters when it doesn't. And yeah, I think it's kind of cool to watch, I guess, because you don't see this stuff, but it's not anything worthwhile. It's not actually important. You know, if any of you live in England, now you know where all your tax money goes to. It goes to the official trumpeters, all these redcoats just standing aimlessly for no apparent reason other than just to declare that Charles is now King Charles. I think we all know that he's now king. You don't need the town's crier to go and cry to everybody that he's now king. Become our only lawful and rightful liege lord, Charles III. I think these guys here, out front here, if you're watching, they're holding this kind of stick with like a crystal on top. 
it looks to me like a magic wand. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what are they going to do? Lavarve Levidoso? I mean, what is this? That has to be a magic wand. I can't imagine that being anything else other than a magic wand. It's a freaking magic wand. You now know why you have 60% taxes in England. <laughs> it's for these guys to dress up like that in that very expensive garb that he wears probably once every decade, okay? And to be paid to hold his magic wand standing up there with his funny hat. This guy is just standing up there. He's not even holding a magic wand. What is this guy's purpose? I don't see that guy's magic wand. If he's not holding a magic wand, then what is he doing up there? Keep in mind, me saying all this is not to say that this isn't cool in any way. My point is, is that it's very expensive and very pointless. Maybe I just need to visit England. Maybe that's what it is. I need to visit England and apologize to all the Redcoats for me calling them pointless. Anytime I see any of this pomp and circumstance in Britain, I immediately think Monty Python in search of the Holy Grail. Well, I'm your king. Well, I didn't vote for you. You don't vote for kings. Well, how did you become king then? Let's put it this way. At some point, this was actually important. You know, when people didn't have social media, didn't have any media. At some point, it was important to proclaim to the town that Prince Charles is now King Charles. Oh, well, the queen died, so now he's king. Oh, well, okay, I guess that's what happened. Okay, well, thanks for letting me know. And that's from the official person from the castle that's telling you that. And now you have to listen to King Charles and give him all your money. <laughs> that's how it used to be. But now this is just basically for show and for tourists to see. And we talked about his car. If everyone's dressed up like, you know, in the 1700s, why not have a horse and carriage if you want to be authentic? Why a 1940s Rolls Royce that is being trailed by a brand new Range Rover? It makes no sense. I think it was Diana that really changed the royal family for the better. If it wasn't for Diana having Harry and William, I feel like having more of you know, just more snobbery, it wouldn't be good for the royal family to continue. And I don't think the public would be as excited about the royal family if it was just more snobbery. And I think Charles represents a little bit of that old school snobbery. But we'll see, you know, we're just giving first impressions here. As we're watching this here, William, Harry, and their wives are greeting the public at kind of like a fenced area for them to interact and things. But all I see with this is security. I don't know about you, but I just see security. Um, and I, I just hope that they're taking the proper precautions. And something tells me that there's a little bit more of trust that's going on because something bad didn't happen yet and hopefully never does. But I think there's more trust than there should be in something like this. And it's sad, but I feel like there could be an incident that will cause this type of trust to go away and this very close interaction to not be seen as much anymore if something, God forbid, were to happen. They're just handing him stuff, and it just makes me think, how do you know what's in it? How do you know? 
How do you know what's in that? You have William talking to the crowd. Uh, Kate gets drawn to some of the children, female children, talking to them. I think that's actually a boy. I don't know. Whatever. Don't assume his gender. How dare you? Yeah, I'm looking at William and Kate's body language, interacting with the crowd and working the crowd, it's called. It's quite impressive. He's probably the most experienced in the world at doing this, if you think about it. He's been doing this for pretty much 40 years and seeing other people doing it in his family for 40 years. So he knows how to do this better than any politician ever. And, you know, you see like, oh, the politicians shaking hands and working the crowd. No, no, no. William has been doing this since he was an infant, pretty much, or at least watching people do it since he was an infant and doing it since he was probably five years old. His expressions, his body language. Showing a little bit of a, a smile there, but not too wide ever, because why? Well, you know, his grandma just died and everyone's mourning the queen. Can't be too happy. And if you look at their car, look at the car doors. They're not very thick. There could be some Kevlar in there, and there could be some just general light bulletproofing on the uh, on the windows, but those doors are not very thick. The way I kind of think about it is, if the British royal family doesn't have heavily armored vehicles, then who should really have armored vehicles then? Yeah, I understand if you're like a mob boss or something like that. Okay, okay. But as far as heads of state, famous people, the British royal family is pretty much the top of the top at that point. So I think it's risky. What do you think? Do you think that's risky? And of course, it has nothing to do with how beloved you are. It has nothing to do with it. Because even if you're the most beloved person, some people go after you not because they don't like you, like personally even. It's because they're just maybe just trying to get fame and just want to be known. All right. So that's what we got for you. If you're not already subscribed to the Shake Podcast, you may want to subscribe because we don't want you to miss out on new podcast on psychology, behavior, body language, and unsolved mysteries. We are everywhere you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. You can watch the show on YouTube. Everywhere you get your podcasts, that's where you can get the podcast shaked. That's what we got for you. See you at the top. <laughs>